Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. Often we think that only a miracle can save us from our present situations. We feel that the standard cause and effect and the work and accomplish laws of Mother Nature is insufficient, or worse, has turned against us. Only an extraordinary experience, nothing short of a miracle, can help us. Where does this thought process come from? Well, as Jews, we are blessed with two perfect excuses of victimhood. One is called Ayin Hara, the evil eye, while the other is simply called Mazal, luck. As in, what should I do that I have no Mazal, like a curse in which no matter how hard I try, everything turns to ashes. Yes, in Jewish tradition there is such a thing as an Ayin Hara, there is such a thing as Mazal, and there is such a thing as prayer that shields, protects, and overcomes all of the above. However, presently, I am not even talking of a need for prayer to ward off the evil eye or to draw in Abyssal and Mazal. Rather, we are talking about our need to precisely seize and desist fighting life on life's terms, to stop trying to sneak under the radar of Mother Nature and to embrace her universal laws. In this lecture, we are going to learn how to align ourselves with Mother Nature and to uncover her miraculous powers. Before I give you this lecture's list of mystical introductions, I want to share with you the history behind this lecture. I shared with you the previous lecture that in 1927, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch was arrested by Stalin's regime for his underground work of keeping Judaism alive in the former Soviet Union, which was ruled as treason and counter-communism. After Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak was freed from his exile sentence, as per Jewish law, on Shabbat Pinchas, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak at the Torah made the blessing called Hagomel, Deliverance. The law is that four groups of people need to make this blessing of Hagomel. The four groups are presented by the four Hebrew letters to the word Chayim, life. The first letter Chet is Chole, one who recovers from a life-threatening sickness. The Yud, Yisurim, liberated from prison. The second Yud, Yam, crossing an ocean. And the final letter Mem is Midbar, crossing a desert. You can find the details of the laws of this blessing in the link I provide in the notes for this lecture. The language of the blessing reads, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who bestows kindness upon the culpable, for he has bestowed goodness to me. There is a different blessing in Jewish law that one makes when a miracle happens to them. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who performed for me a miracle. Now, there are two differences between these two blessings. In the first, we speak of being culpable, while in the second, we don't. And in the first, we don't speak of miracles, while in the second, we do. Why? Now for the list of mystical introductions. A. In the beginning, Elohim created heaven and earth. That's the opening verse of Genesis. Our sages expand upon this verse, but it does not say Amonai created. In the beginning, Amonai Elohim created as below on the day that the Amonai Elohim made earth and heaven. So in the first verse, it just says the name Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created. 
However, later at the end of the story of Genesis, in chapter 2 it says, on the day that the Ammonai Elohim made earth and heaven. For in the beginning it was his intention to create it with the divine standard of justice, Elohim. But he perceived that the world would not endure, so he preceded it with the divine standard of mercy, Ammonai, allying it with the divine standard of justice. And that is the reason it is written later on, on the day that the Ammonai Elohim made earth and heaven. What does this mean? The second introduction. What does the above mean in, one, Torah and mitzvot, and two, in our individual service to God? See, according to this teaching, what is the purpose of life and how do we fulfill it? Okay, let's jump right into these introductions. So let's start with the first one. In the beginning, Elohim created heaven and earth. We explained last week the difference between the two names of God, Ammonai and Elohim. Elohim in its Hebrew spelling equals the numerical value as Hateva, the nature, which is the numerical value of 86. The name Ammonai in its correct Hebrew spelling is made up of four letters, Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey. These letters spell out the words Hoya, past, Hoive, present, and Yia, future. Our sages tell us that this name of God represents the infinite light that pre-exists and transcends beyond the creation of time and thus past, present, and future coexist. Based on this, our sages teach us the mystical meaning behind the teaching of our sages on the verse in the beginning, Elohim created heaven and earth. There are two patterns through which God leads the world. One is the pattern of nature and the other is the pattern of miracles, meaning that one form of sustenance is through the name Elohim, nature, and the other form of sustenance is through the name Ammonai, miracles. Originally, for the sake of the purpose of creation, God wanted to create the world only through the name Elohim, in which every experience of revelation, miracles, and Ammonai would be brought about solely through the freedom of choice actions of mankind. However, God saw that it would be too difficult for man to experience life only through the glove of Elohim and yet to be able to find the hidden hand of God, Ammonai, and to remain with his conscience. Thus, God mixed into the original Elohim experience of the world the revelation of Ammonai, which are the miracles and the revelations performed by God through the holy and righteous ones. Let's go now to the second introduction. Everything that exists in the world exists in the Torah, for the Torah is the blueprints to the world. Our sages state, when the Holy One, blessed be He, created the world, He looked into the Torah and created the world. Thus, if in the world we find two patterns, so too we must find in the Torah two patterns, that of transcendence beyond the boundaries of nature, Ammonai, and that within the boundaries of nature, Elohim. Torah study is the experience of Ammonai, in which we transcend beyond time and space. For example, our sage in the Talmud explain, and it quotes a ruling, and in every place offerings are brought, burnt and presented unto my name. Now the question is, in every space? Is this possible? It's prohibited to bring sacrifices in every single space, only in the holy temple. Thus Rabbi Shmuel ben Nahmeni said in the name of Rabbi Yonatan, 
This refers to the scholars who devote themselves to the study of the Torah in whatever place they are. God says, I accounted unto them as though they burnt and presented offerings to my name. Thus, when one enters into the realm of the Torah, one transcends beyond the boundaries of time and space. And today, outside of the Holy Temple, one can spiritually bring sacrifices and draw its spiritual benefits to our physical world. Mitzvot observance, on the other hand, is the experience of Elohim, in which one must live in the time and space details of nature. For example, the shofar must be sounded on the correct day, and its appropriate time, Rosh Hashanah. So to a Shabbat candle lighting and the weekday dawning of Tefillin. The purpose of the universe is that mankind should serve God, and thus within our human infrastructure there exist these two patterns of serving God as well. These two patterns lay hidden within the verse, and you shall love God your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. All of man's service to God is driven by our love for God, and our sages tell us in the Holy Zohar, there is no service as the service of love. Thus, in this verse, speaking of love, we find the two patterns of service to God. The love of with all your heart and of with all your soul is the service of Elohim, obtained through the nature of the mind and heart in which the study, concentration, and meditation of the mind upon the greatness, kindness, and compassion of God gives birth to its reflection in our hearts with feelings of gratitude and love to God. However, the love of with all your might speaks of a love that bursts forth from the essence of our godly soul in its oneness with God. This latter love is the experience of the revelation of our inner Amonai, beyond any natural progressiveness of our minds and hearts. With this, we can now understand the third and final mystical introduction. According to these teachings, what is the purpose of life and how do we fulfill it? According to the teachings we just explained, the purpose of life is for us to break through the concealment of Elohim and to uncover the Ammonai in all that exists. Ultimately, the one and only ex true existence of all of that exists is God is everything and everything is God. This truism is the revelation of Ammonai, the pre-existence of time, space and separation between Creator and His creations. It is the experience of Elohim that creates a concealment between God and us, between heaven and earth, between physical and spiritual, and between our Jewish identity in synagogue and our secular identity in our businesses and social circles. Thus, through Torah study, we develop our mind's paradigm of reality, and through our mitzvot observance, governing and defining our business and social life, we are bringing the revelation of Ammonai into what was once only the domain of Elohim. What th with this, we enter into our exploration of the Hagomel blessing. The Hagomel blessing speaks not of miracles as much as it talks of nature's process of overcoming the dangers of life. The dangers of life divide themselves primarily into four categories. Spiritually speaking, life is about Torah study and mitzvot observance, through which we travel the journey of life from the Elohim experience to the Ammonai experience. However, this journey is endangered by four different experiences of life. 
when we allow ourselves to succumb to them. Let's go through the four again. Chole, sickness, one who recovers from a life-threatening sickness. Spiritual sickness is defined by the mind and heart losing their sensitivities to spirituality. This is called the numbing of the mind and the heart. In the verses of the Torah, we speak of this happening through eating non-kosher, as the verse warns us of not becoming impure through eating impure species and foods. Mystically speaking, we speak not only of eating that which is non-kosher, rather even an overindulgence in kosher food and impermissible behaviors for no other reason than self-pleasure causes a numbing of our minds and hearts to spirituality. The second category, Yisurim, liberated from prison. Prison is the self-prison of our ego over our true higher self. It is the prison of our animalistic soul and our evil inclination over our godly soul and our good inclination in which we are not able to be true to ourselves. The third category, Yam, crossing over an ocean. King Solomon, in his book of songs, states, Mayim Rabim, many waters cannot quench the love nor can rivers flood it. In the teachings of mysticism, the many waters refer to the dominance of our thoughts on how to earn a living. These thoughts, anxieties, etc. deny us to be able to study Torah, to meditate, and to pray with true devotion and intentions. It is in these waters that so many of us drown and lose our spirituality and our pursuit thereof. The fourth and final category, Midbar, crossing a desert. The definition of a desert is that it is a barren wasteland. Spiritually, this refers to our delivering our identity to our physicality, which is a spiritual barren wasteland. Every creation and experience has a soul and a body. Its soul is the spark of God within it and the relationship with God that it offers us. The body is the physicality of it and the ego-driven emotions of self-preservation and self-indulgence. Thus, the concept of a barren desert is when we deliver our identity to our physicality. To allow ourselves to succumb and to fall prey to any of these spiritual dangers is to be culpable of allowing the Elohim glove of concealment to become a moat of separation between us and God and between our physical life and our spiritual mission. Elohim in its purest form is here to serve as a shield to Ammonai, to protect us from Ammonai's infinite light and radiance, which we, as finite human beings, could not absorb and digest in a healthy fashion. Elohim is a filter of shade, which serves as a conduit through which our finite minds and hearts can safely absorb and digest divinity. Elohim offers us a sustainable relationship with God, in which Shabbat is only one spiritual day out of a seven-day working week, and Yom Kippur is only one ultra-spiritual day out of 354 average days of a lunar year. However, our culpable indulgence in any of these four categories of spiritual dangers reverse the gift of Elohim into a barrier between us and our source of life, health, and prosperity. Surviving our falling into any of these four patches of quicksand is what we make the Hagomo blessing for, which says, Who bestows kindness upon the culpable, for he has bestowed goodness to me. 
Now in Samuel's, the verse states, he, meaning God, he devises means that he who is banished be not cast from him. And in Psalms, the verse states, for he, God, for he will stand to the right of the needy to save him from those who judge his soul. Now, to understand the verse's usage of the plural sense of those who judge him, we will turn to the Tanya. Now, here in chapter 13 of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe is setting up a metaphor of a city with two judges. Let's see. Therewith we will be, we will, will be, I'm sorry, therewith will be understood the commentary of our sages that the intermediate people are judged by both the good and evil natures. For it is written, he stands at the right hand of the poor man to save him from them that judge his soul. Note that they did not say ruled by both, God forbid, because where the evil nature gains any control and dominion over the small city, even though but temporarily, one is at such times deemed wicked. The evil nature in the Bainani, intermediate, however, is no more than, for example, a magistrate or judge who gives his opinion on a point of law. Yet it is not necessarily a final decision to be implanted indeed, for there is another magistrate or judge who is contesting this opinion. It is therefore necessary to arbitrate between the two, and the final verdict rests with the arbitrator. Similarly, the evil nature states its opinion, its opinion in the left part of the heart, which thence ascends to the brain for contemplation. Immediately it is challenged by the second judge, the divine soul in the brain, extending into the right part of the heart, the abode of the good nature. The final verdict comes from the arbitrator. The Holy One, blessed be He, who comes to the aid of the good nature, as our sages said, if the Almighty did not help him, he could not overcome his evil inclination. That's how Tanya explains it. So, that this is what we are saying in the blessing, that God devises means that he who is banished be not cast from him. And thus God stands to the right of the needy to save him from those who judge his soul, to arbitrate between the two who judge his soul, and the final verdict rests with the arbitrator. This is when we experience a righteous man is extricated from trouble by the kindness of God upon those who are culpable. That is what we make the blessing for. Now, the teachings tell us that even this grace of God God gives us partnership in by allowing us to evoke and arouse this capacity to overcome the quicksand dangers of life. The way we do this is by focusing on ultimately creation comes about through Ammonai and is only delivered through Elohim. Through focusing, concentrating and meditating upon this, we ignite the essence of our soul called Zion, Zion. When we speak of the essence of the soul, we speak of that which transcends beyond any form of name. The expression of the Zion of our soul is as that of a person who took an oath of loyalty and needs not any more logical or emotional appreciation. Rather, he is driven by his word to God, and for this reason alone he does teshuva, repentance returning. Through this Tzion action, one arouses the essence of God, beyond both names Elohim or Amonai, 
and the person draws this essence force of God into his physical life, giving him the Hagomel experience, saving him from the life dangers that he fell into. So in closing, let us now return to the opening of our lecture. The problem with defining our situation as one in need of nothing less than a miracle is that with this we render ourselves hopeless. We create a scenario in which we project that God has to undo and override all of his laws that he created for Mother Nature in order for our situation to change. By doing this, we further project our erroneous thinking that Mother Nature, Elohim, and the glove of God is a barrier between us and God, between our physical lives having a spiritual meaning and of our having a physical, prosperous relationship with God. What we need to do is to align ourselves with Elohim's spiritual law of cause and effect, in which Torah study and mitzvot observance draw physical health and abundance. We need to meditate and palatably understand the spiritual dimension of Elohim, in which it is but the waiter serving that which is always being prepared by Ammonai. Living in this new paradigm gives us the gift of understanding that the entire universe is aligned with us and is looking to deliver us all that we need and want. All we have to do is to stop perceiving the universe, God's universe, as our antagonist, which we must avoid, trick, or overcome. No. Elohim, fitted perfectly on Ammonai's hand of the essence of God, is our protagonist who showers kindness upon us even when we are culpable for our sinking situation. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here, at the platform of the Jewish mind, is where modernity meets Judaism.